It is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back with you for another day. Good show coming up here. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, will join me along with St. Paul Academy senior Tommy Verhey. He's uh, been shadowing us at the Star Tribune for a senior project and spent some time with me on Wednesday and proved to be so helpful that I invited him onto the show, not just to listen in, but to contribute a little bit. So you'll hear from Chip and some perspectives from Tommy later on the Twins, Carl Anthony Towns, and gambling at the college athletics level and what that kind of Pandora's box opens up. Um, the Twins conversation we had was ironic because we went through kind of this thought exercise that I'm going to write about on Thursday uh, also kind of a, an alternative Twins lineup composed of <clears throat> different players than they have right now. Nine guys who they've primarily traded away in the last few years that could be their starting nine right now if they had made different moves and how that lineup might look and how they might be better at the plate. Now, when you hear it, I don't want you to go and say, well, everything's fine. They're in first place. Um, they just, you know, they just won on Wednesday night because the offense is still problematic right now. They still they only scored two runs in the first nine innings. They were tied going into extra innings. Got two more, one in the 10th, one in the 11th to win that game four to three. A big, important win for them, no doubt. Good sign that Alex Kirloff got the game-winning hit that could really stand to get him going in the middle of that lineup. A guy who can certainly contribute more than some of their other players have so far. But um, the larger takeaway from that is, A, uh, they've got some guys that they used to have. Um, chief among them, of course, Luis Arias will be at the top of our fictional batting order. That that could be helping them more on offense right now. Now, the flip side of that, and what we didn't get into as much in detail, but we, you could tell the spirit of it in the conversation, was that the trade-off is that a lot of these guys brought in pitching, right? Luis Arias brought in Pablo Lopez, who had another excellent start on Wednesday night. Um, the Nelson Cruz trade they made brought in Joe Ryan. No way would they <clears throat> reverse that trade, even if Nelson Cruz right now, as Lavelle Neal III wrote about earlier this week, is someone that could be helping them right now. Even at age 42, he's, he can still hit. He still looks good. He would be functioning in that lineup, although Byron Buxton wouldn't be able to be the everyday DH if um, Nelson Cruz was still here. But again, these thought exercises are more Wow, like look at what look at what used to be here. Look at how some of these players are thriving. Not so much wow, this whole this front office screwed up big time. That was not the intent of it. Um and it was not the intent to overlook the fact that yeah, the identity of the team has changed largely because they did trade away some of this offense for pitching. Um the Tyler Malley trade another good example. So we'll get to all that with Chip. I just didn't want the the framing of this. I knew that if they won on Wednesday night, it would, the, the framing of it might be a little awkward. So I want to get that out of the way first because it was a good win. It was a good win. It was a good win for them Wednesday. The Padres are a good team. The Twins pitched well. They hit when they had to. That has been the formula this season. They needed that win. They've been struggling a little bit. What five of their last seven lost? That bad road trip. Lost the first one to the Padres six one. It was kind of an ugly game. Some some poor some poor defensive play. The bats still going silent. I still think there's hope for this team. I still think that if the if the hitting can tick up just enough to be closer to the middle of the pack, get the batting average up a little bit. I know batting average has diminished in the eyes of some people over the years, but it is still the product sometimes of having a good at-bat. And having a good at-bat, I think, is useful in a lot of situations, which we'll get to here in a little bit as well. So I do think there's still hope for this team. I think that, you know, in the AL Central, there's certainly hope. What what hope lies beyond is is a good question, but I think they've been largely competitive against good teams this season, which is a good sign, and they got the win they had to have, or that 
I shouldn't say they had to have, but they got a win on Wednesday that felt like it was necessary, that felt like it was important to stem that tide, to start feeling good about themselves again. So I see some potential in this team. I see some potential if they can get some more hitting. And uh, we'll get into a little bit more about what an alternative reality might look like when we bring in Chip and Tommy here in just a moment. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. It's a big day on Daily Delivery. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, is with me, as is Tommy Verhey, a senior at St. Paul Academy. He is with the Star Tribune for a few weeks working on... Uh, Tommy, it's a, a senior project you're working on? Yeah, it's a senior project, last month of May. So every senior kind of finds a topic, finds something they want to perhaps pursue after college or in college, and... Uh, yeah, so I'm here at the Star Tribune for the next month or so. Awesome. Tommy, help me out with something this morning, Chip. Right. Um, we're, right, we're recording on Wednesday afternoon. Is this afternoon. a game show? What's that? Is this going to be a game show? Uh, no, it's not going to oh. be a game show, but oh. he did help me with something. No, it's not going to be It's not gonna be a guessing game so much, but Tommy helped me out with something. I want to start with it. It's a good way to get into some of the uh, the Twins' offensive woes. And, of, of course, uh, the, the danger in this is we're recording on Wednesday, and so I fully expect them to score like 10 runs tonight and then then I have to it's it's still it's still valid but yeah. this always happens I always worry about this like you do a big segment and now the offense is failing and then then by the time it airs it's going to be you know well they just scored 10 runs what are you talking about one game doesn't change it, it does I, not. I, was, I had a uh, college student shadow me last night I was like inevitably when you go write a column you write about how bad the bullpen is and then they throw five scoreless innings at yeah. night. it's it's inevitable it's inevitable so we're hoping I, I should say we're we're not. I'm not hoping they have another bad <laughs> offensive game, but it would. Yeah, we'll know more by the time the show airs, and I will I will correct for any errors or correct for any uh, adjustments we need to make. But uh, Chip, Tommy, uh, Tommy, and I on Wednesday morning, I kind of had this idea in the morning on Wednesday, and Tommy helped me kind of flesh it out. Um, a complete different lineup, uh, Chip, for the Twins of former Twins <laughs> now with other teams. Almost all of them who've been traded away from the Twins since 2021. There's only, I think, one guy on this list that was uh, like not not via trade that they got rid of and then signed somewhere else. So we've got an entire lineup. Tommy helped me put together the one through nine. I had some of these names already. He really filled it out with a couple of good ones that I wasn't thinking of, and then he put them in, he put them in the batting order. We added some positions to it. It actually positionally works out as well. So I want to hear from you. And caveats on this, of course, like, you know, this is not perfect. Like, this does not take into consideration salaries, yeah. anything like that. Who else would be on the roster? Things like that. But let, let's go through the lineup. I know who my leadoff hitter is. Luis Arias, <laughs> uh, batting leadoff and uh, playing, I think I have him playing first base with, with the way this is all sorted out. He played first base quite a bit here. Yeah. Um, obviously, part of the Pablo Lopez trade, so would not have that starting pitcher if you had not made that trade. But, Chip, well, would you take Luis Arias back right now in this lineup? <laughs> I heard on the radio, it was, I forgot who was saying, uh, it might have been uh, KFAM, where is, he, is his average higher than Buxton and Correa combined? Um, as of right now, he's hitting four oh 
408, I think. He's he's down to 408. He was at 420 yeah. the other day. Um, so 408. What's Buxton hitting right now? Was it 238 going into Tuesday night's game? Buxton. Let me, I'm going to look Correa's it up right now. Correa's down at 185. Yeah, Correa's at 185. Buxton is at uh, 233. So oh, no. no, it's it. He's 418 to 409 right Ooh, now. But 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 I think like even a day ago, and uh, this is all subject to change very soon. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah at, at one point, yes, look, yeah, he would. Uh, you know, and it's funny. Rocco has lamented the last couple days or a uh, couple times I've heard him is just the the plate pitch selection that yeah. is a big problem. Well. <laughs> you had a guy, guy who was who a master of twelve pitch at bats yeah. and singles to was left master, after it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing they're lacking—just a, a professional hitter right now. How much do you think that hurts Correa? Because this is a guy who—I mean, this is a guy who's had a long career before he played for the Twins yeah. last year. But a rise hitting behind Correa, giving him a long look—a guy who's on base a lot. <sighs> you know, maybe a little, but it's not like Correa is a young. That's what player. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and I, I was there in the clubhouse yesterday when Correa did a pregame session. He talked about he thought he found something in Chicago on the road trip about keeping his foot secure, his front foot secure, and being more grounded. And he felt like he was hitting the ball hard. And then his first at bat was a dribbler last night, and then a pop up in the infield. He wasn't hitting it hard at all. So I, I don't know what's going on with him. Tommy, you play baseball. You're saying you hit about 300 right now? Yeah, I am. Yep. Different. I mean, different competition level. But what what do you? What do you make overall of the Twins' offensive struggles this year? They're they're last in the majors in batting average going into uh, going into Wednesday's game, and just it's been a struggle all year. Yeah, you know, I think when you lose a player like Arise, you know, he's hitting he was hitting four twenty just a couple of days ago, like you were saying, and you know, if you have a guy that's hitting four twenty, your team average hits up to about two fifty at least when you got people playing like that. So losing that that guy is just a total just kind of shot to the Twins overall. Yeah, um, and then. You know, you have the names on the team as well, like Buxton and Correa and those type of guys that you expect. You're paying them hundreds of million dollars um, overall, and you really expect them to be playing a lot better than they are. But, you know, it's just a tough lineup. It's They're not looking good. Her Miranda just got sent down this morning. Like, yeah. The you team's know, kind of falling apart. Yeah, and the thing is, you look back at, like, even the, the uh, Bomba squad year, I mean— they get into the postseason there and they, you know, the two games against the Astros and what were we talking about in that situation? Well, yeah. it can't just be home runs. Right. They have to be able to manufacture That's all it was. Runs. That's yeah. all it was. And it's like that dried up and there was no plan B. If Nelson Cruz wasn't getting a hit, we'll get to him in a minute. If yeah. he wasn't getting a hit, um, nobody was in that series. And so it's, it's, they're, they're back to the feast or famine. Yeah. I mean, they're probably what, uh, still top 10 in uh, baseball and home runs. Yeah, at least top half. Like, they had that streak of 18 straight games yeah. with at least one home run, but they're lasting batting ever. So, you know what their strategy is? It's yeah, pitching and, and home runs. And I looked at it the other day, they were uh, second to last in on base percentage, I think third from last in strikeouts. So, it's like it is feast or famine, this lineup. And yeah. that's just, um, it's not a formula. Like, it's just not a formula. Batting second and playing center field, Lamont Wade Jr., left-handed hitter, traded to the Giants in 2021 for starting pitcher Sean Anderson, <laughs> now on the Blue Jays um, per, per Tommy. Uh, so he's done all the research on where these guys are now. Lamont Wade Jr. Uh, played okay for the Twins for a little while, but they decided yeah. that they didn't need him anymore. Um, he is doing quite well uh, this season. I'm going to pull up his numbers here really quick. Um, left-handed hitter. He has a, a war already of 1.5 this season, hitting 261 with a 511 slugging, 438 on base, 949 OPS, six home runs in 92 at-bats this year. 
Um, had a really good 2021 season as well. He kind of dipped a little bit last year, regressed a bit, but still was a decent player. Um, What's his age, Mike? Lamont Wade Jr. He is 29. So a guy starting to figure it out? Kind of seems like a guy starting to figure it out. A guy yeah. that, again, a lot of this is hindsight. A lot sure, of it's second sure. guessing. A lot of it, though, That's is... what we do. It's fun. Yeah. Is, but a lot of it is like guys they gave up on who could be helping them right now. Guys who are helping other teams right now. Yeah. And, like, this lineup that we're putting together is, name-wise, is not as good, but this is these guys are producing more than the guys who are in their sure. lineup right now. Yeah. I think I'd take Lamont Wade. Would you take Lamont Wade right now, Tommy? That seems oh, like a pretty take good number. I'd for sure. <laughs> I mean, right right after we traded him, he was the leadoff hitter in, for the Giants, just yes. like immediately. So I think, I don't know, I don't I didn't even get that decision when we made it, and I surely don't now. Batting third um, in, in the batting order, the fictional batting order, right fielder Brent Rooker. And this was got this is what got me going down the this rabbit, rabbit hole this yeah. morning because I saw someone tweet something about Brent Rooker was, I think, on – Major League Baseball Network, like demonstrating like how he kind of what his approach is at the plate, and I'm like, why is Brent Rooker on here? Like he was traded to the Padres in 2022. He was part of the ill-fated Taylor Rogers trade for Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan. Yes, has not gone great. <laughs> not going now well. he he kind of washed out with the Padres, but he wound up with Oakland this season. Um, right now, Brent Rooker for the A's going into Wednesday. Chip, 99 at bats, 10 home runs. A 313 batting average, 26 RBIs, a 1.087 OPS, a 657 slugging percentage. It could just be a hot month. He's not even arbitration eligible until 2025. Free agency 2028. Team control for years. Home runs for days. A right-handed power hitter. That one feels more like an outlier. It does? Like, like a hot month. Yeah, it does. Because um, I'd totally forgotten about him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, he, but didn't, all, he didn't do much after the trade, right? He was no, he was a wa- he washed out there. He they, yeah. he played he played with the Padres. He had seven at bats with the Padres, twenty five at bats with the Royals last year. He didn't, didn't do runs. much with either one. What ten home runs already? Ten home runs already. <laughs> That's more than anybody on the Twins. He has more RBIs than anybody on the Twins. Has a higher OPS again on a really bad team. Hindsight, hindsight being what it is, still having a really hot month. A guy who, if he was still here by some stretch, he's only twenty eight. A guy who's maybe figuring it out right now. A guy they were high on. A guy who was a first round draft pick in the very first Falvey Levine draft, twenty seventeen. Why was he? I'm trying to think what he was here that 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 they saw coming behind him. Was it? I just think. He had enough chances. Like 2021, he got 200. He had 200 plate appearances in 2021. He was okay. Struck out a lot, which doesn't seem to be a problem in a lot of cases. He struck out 70 times in 213 plate appearances, so about a third of the time. He hit nine home runs. I think. I think it was kind of a matter of they. He didn't. He's not great defensively. They couldn't really find a position for him, and he just was. Maybe there was a little bit of a redundancy, even though he's a right-handed hitter. They just. He just. Maybe didn't ever feel to them like a guy who's going to be more than like a four A kind of hitter. Yeah, guy but, strikes out light and yeah. But ten home runs and nine nine at bats yeah. this year. Maybe he figured something out. Maybe he went somewhere and got something else going. Batting cleanup in uh, in Tommy's lineup for the Twins. Mitch Garver, catcher, traded to the Rangers in twenty twenty two, part of the Isaiah Kiner Falefa deal. Um, again, a lot of hindsight here because I don't think they're yeah. catching is bad right now. But Garver, a guy who's been hurt a little bit this year, but a guy who I think won the Silver Slugger in yeah, 2019. Year, the, he was the bomb squad. He was the bomb yeah, squad. Yeah, 30 home runs yeah. that year. And I remember I did a big piece on him that year where I sat down with him. It was fascinating for like an hour and just talked about the science of hitting and how part of it too is he had a he had to change being a, a pitch framer because he was awful at it. Right. You know, but um, 
and change, he went down to the the new setup that they right. had. But um, we also talked about changing his swing and getting more elevation. That's when he hit all the home runs, and then he just he, you know he came back like like a lot of twins did after that. Yeah, he regressed, and then he had injuries. He had that awful injury. He had that. Yeah, I, want to talk I wrote about, about that. that one too. Let's yeah. not talk about let's that. Not, let's not uh, let's not go there. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh. But you know, I think you know he looked. They looked at it as like they had someone. Comparable or better as a as a receiver, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think this is a trade they regret, but no. a guy who is what in are our, his numbers is, now. What What are his numbers this year? He hasn't done much this year. He's been yeah. hurt a lot, but he's he's a guy that's still you know in the yeah. prime of his career essentially, and would be here in our hypothetical uh, hypothetical lineup and gave them. I felt like professional at bats. Now, Tommy, a guy who who comes to the plate, you play the game. A guy who comes to the plate and. Is kind of an all or nothing hitter versus somebody who is going to give you is going to work the count is going to be someone who is maybe a tough out. Which if you're pitching, I don't know if you pitch. If you're pitching or you're playing against an opponent, which one is is harder to defend? You know, I think almost a hundred percent of the time it's the guy that takes the pitches. He's he's not looking for the the perfect pitch, but he's fighting them off. He's he's getting into deep counts. He's taking a lot of pitches. Anything like a ten pitch at bat, anything like that, like what Arise was producing for the Twins is, is and is producing now for the Marlins. Those are the guys that just they get under pitcher skins. They get under the skin of all the players in the field. They're trying to get back into the dugout, go to hit. Um, so those are the guys that you really want on your team. And there's the people like Sano and the Garvers and those type of guys that are striking out on three pitches or just hitting an absolute moonshot. Um, and those guys are nice too to kind of round out your lineup with, but you really need those guys at the top that are fighting off counts and putting in good at bats in and out. Going to have a professional at bat here coming up at the five and the six hole. DH Nelson Cruz, number five. He's 42 years old, still playing for the Padres there in town. He's still pretty good. He, Lavelle, I, our colleague Lavelle Neil the third just wrote about he's, he's exactly what they still need right now. Yeah, we were there yesterday. He did a, a session with the reporters there in a dugout, and uh, Royce he was there, and he's like. Can't believe how great he looks. It's like yeah, physically. He's forty-two. Looks like he could play and, another five years. And the the king of like no regrets. They traded him for Joe Ryan. Like they don't Correct. have Joe yeah. Ryan if they don't trade yeah. Nelson Cruz. So I'm not saying they shouldn't have done that deal, yeah. but guy like that like made their lineup in 2019, 2020, part of 2021. And talk about a professional. Yeah. I mean, if if you factor in all the his impact in the clubhouse too. I mean, Rocco still gushes about him being a first-time manager and having Nelson yeah. Cruz to kind of patrol the the clubhouse. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't think he's gonna uh, walk away from baseball after this season the way he's um, the way he keeps himself in shape, which is amazing. Amazing. You think think about that. And then not not losing your bat speed, right? Or your yeah belt, timing. Yeah. Next guy on the list is one that I had forgotten about, which is just kind of crazy because it just seems like. I mean, he was here last year and was one of, was one of their most professional hitters. But Tommy reminded me of him when he came back with additional names to round out the the list. Gio Urshela, yeah, uh, a guy yeah. who is hitting three twenty five right now. No, no, sorry, three oh three, three oh three right now. Um, he's he with you know, with with the Angels. Just what's that? Is he a platoon? Mm, he's he played. Day? He's got one hundred and twenty two at bats, so he's yeah. playing pretty regularly this season. You know, again, a guy who last year when the offense was struggling. He's not the world's greatest hitter, but he is a guy who brought them a certain level of professionalism and consistency for the Twins last year. 501 at-bats, 13 homers, 64 RBIs, a 285 average. Like someone who was pretty consistently putting the ball in play and getting hits, which yeah. is something they don't have this year. And especially in light of Miranda's struggles this year. Yeah. This looks looks this looks like a, maybe a miss on their part. Was he uh 
they all run together. Was he a, a trade deadline guy? No, he was traded in the off season because they wanted That's to right. kind of clear clear room for right. uh, clear room for Miranda. For Miranda, and uh, just didn't. I just don't think they've ever felt like he was he, a long term fit. He came yeah. over in the Donaldson trade, right? He was a rental, yeah, but for but a year, he, yeah, not super expensive though. I mean, no. I think he's. I don't think his contract this year is is cost prohibitive. One year, eight point four million. But so. you're right. He was a pro. He's I mean, a pro. He's, yeah, he's a pro, a veteran pro who probably could be helping Miranda. this team right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially like I said, in light of yeah. Um, uh, Miranda getting sent That's down. Which, I don't even know where, who's he with. Angels, three hundred three. Not the same splash as four hundred eight. Yeah, like Lewis Arise, but that was like two fourths of your infield last year, half your infield. Three hundred three in this lineup right now. <laughs> I take three hundred three right now, and again, I don't know where he's going to wind up. Um, okay, it gets a little bit more speculative at the bottom of the order. Number seven, uh, left fielder Eddie Rosario. I guess this, this is more like lineup filler. Eddie, we don't want. We Eddie. don't need Eddie back. He's not having a good year. <laughs> but we had to round up the lineup, yeah. and he is now with the. Uh, I think he's with the Atlanta still. He was with, the, yeah, he was with yeah. the Guardians for a while, now with Atlanta. Now, eight and nine are really interesting. We'll move on to some other subjects. Eight and nine. Second base, Spencer Steer, right-handed hitter, traded to the Reds in 2022 um, in the Tyler Malley trade mm. and was a minor leaguer at the time, is now a regular with the Reds and hitting pretty well, I would say. Uh, he's he's done well this season. i got to pull up his numbers. I had him a second ago. Got to make sure I have him here now. Here we go. Spencer Steer. Um, 25 years old. Again, arbitration eligible not till 2026. Free agent in 2029. Cost-controlled <laughs> infielder with a little bit of pop in his bat. Uh, hitting 119 at-bats with the Reds. Four homers. 12 RBIs. Uh, 252 average. 762 OPS. A solid guy in the middle of the infield. Um, versus arm trouble. And you do you I mean you don't again, know you didn't you know, know what Tyler Malley was going to do but his he did have the arm, the arm trouble, trouble before he yeah. came here. It's not like it he had the shoulder. Yeah. They didn't the elbow wasn't the problem then, but yeah. that's that's what shut him down now but a guy who they traded some pretty good prospects. We'll get to that in our number 9 hitter too, but the you know, Spencer Steer looks like he's going to be decent at least. They gave him up. He could be helping them right now. Yes. Yes. Last one. This was one that you helped me with again, Tommy. Uh, this is also part of the Tyler Malley trade, one of the other prospects they gave up. Christian Encarnacion Strand playing third base for this hypothetical lineup, traded to the Reds as part of that Tyler Malley trade. He is at AAA, but is knocking on the door of a promotion. 57 at-bats this season at AAA Louisville. 13 runs scored, 23 hits, 7 home runs, 14 RBIs, a 404 batting average, and there's all sorts of <laughs> like... Tommy find that guy? <laughs> I just was looking up random there's, people. And there's all sorts here. of articles about they got to call up our Encarnacion Strand fans are like waiting for him. He's oh right, up, right at AAA. I think the Reds are happy with that, those deals? I think they're happy with that trade right now. So here's the, here's the full lineup before we move on to other subjects. Batting first at first base, Luis Arise. Batting second in center field, Lamont Wade Jr., giving up some defense there. I get that. Batting third in right field, Brent Rooker. Cleanup, Mitch Garver, catcher. Fifth, Nelson Cruz, DH. Sixth, shortstop, Gio Urshela, who had to find yeah. him a spot. He can play short, though. <laughs> Left field, batting seventh, Eddie Rosario. Batting eighth at second base, Spencer Steer. Batting ninth at third base, Christian Encarnacion Strand. You need to mark that down, keep that, and then come back at the end of the year. I'm going to write about it Thursday morning, too. Yeah. So we'll but, have a but, permanent but record. That's something you can recycle at the end of the yeah. year just, just to see where it's at. Content begets content. It, it always does. does. Uh, thank what you a, again, a, Tommy, for. What a great extra. That boy, Tommy. Oh, yeah. That's great. Helping me, uh, helping me put together, helping me with the, the finishing touches on that list, putting them all in order. Chip, I want to get you on a couple more things before we go. One, um, Carl Anthony Towns is on a podcast on 
Wednesday. This was just sent to me right before we started recording by our colleague Jeff Day, and I thought it was interesting because he was on with Paul George, and I think you get a lot of honesty. I think that's the one. Yeah, I saw that yesterday. Okay, maybe it was it was recent though. It was the first time I've seen it, and yeah. like, it was like a two hour podcast. It got like clipped up into into different bites, and Jeff sent a couple our way. Talked about the Rudy Gobert trade, and kind of was pretty honest about it. One of the things he said was that he learned about it. And I don't know if he said this before. Maybe he's hinted at this before, but he said he didn't find out about it until he saw it on social media. He was on a vacation in, I think, Europe somewhere when he found out about it. Um, does Should Carl Anthony Towns, as a franchise stakeholder and cornerstone and someone who's maybe not every trade, but a trade where his position yeah. is going to be changed by this trade, should he be alerted, uh, if, as assuming he's telling us the truth, is, is, should he be alerted to this a little sooner than that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to say yes and no, if the, if I can be yeah. a little on the fence on that. Yes, because it impacted his, you're, you know, you're going from center to power forward. Yeah, and he said it was like halfway into the offseason, which is true, like the Gobert yeah. trade didn't happen so until that's a pretty dramatic, July. Yeah, that's a pretty dramatic thing. He's preparing one way, and now he's going to yeah. prepare another way. And just, do you think it'll work? You know, I mean, yeah. is, how do you, are you comfortable with it? Um but no, in a sense of if you're trying to keep it private, I mean, you you know, yeah, that's things can get out. Or um, now this was last year, so I I think maybe uh, the thinking about Cat's long term future yeah. with the program was is different than maybe it yeah. is now. Now I say no because if they're <laughs> if, if they're looking to maybe move him or find <laughs> right. out what his value is, you you're not going to potentially know, awkward. You're not going to keep him, you know, seek his input on personnel moves. Um, but I, I think just because, you know, it, it was so going to be such a big dramatic shift for him. Um, you might want to broach that with him to say, Hey, here's what we're thinking about. Yeah. How, how do you think that would, how do you think you would, uh, you know, handle playing a different, at a different spot defensively, offensively. Yeah. But, you know, what do you come back and he says, "No, I hate it." Yeah. Then maybe <laughs> Sorry, we're still going to do it. <laughs> then maybe he would have killed the worst trade in franchise history. Yeah, but if they <laughs> if they were convinced that this yeah. is something they need to do, and yes. if Carl says, I, "I'm not in favor of," now yeah. you got a problem. Then what do you do? Yeah. Then you then you're yeah you're stuck. I think a lot of it's a question of how much latitude you give players to be kind of de facto assistant GMs and yeah. how much and, you know, and, where, and when you earn that. When do you earn that? Well, it's well. If you're Justin Jefferson, you got it in year three. Remember, that's the thing that Quasey said this offseason, that they're going to involve him in these conversations. Now, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're going to let him pick the quarterback of the future. No, but they want him to be happy with the quarterback but they want of the future. Him to be, exactly. I mean, he's not sitting there in GM means, but clearly Quasey said that for a purpose, right? Yeah. That they're going to involve him. So um, so he's going to have some say in things. Uh, I just don't know... I think he's in a different spot than "quote unquote" stars at other teams. I mean, I that's fair. He's I, won four playoff games in his career. I know he's been here what eight years? Yes, yeah, eight years. And and everything they said that he's the foundation, and all that. But I I'm not convinced that they won't seek what his value would be out on the market no, either. So I, agree. I think that changes things. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. And it's funny that you've it's funny thinking about that in retrospect. Like, what if they'd included him in this conversation, then come back to them this offseason and be like. Maybe sit this conversation out because <laughs> yeah. it's potentially sensitive information about you in this in this yeah, trade proposal. Exactly, yeah. So no, that's a good point. The other thing he said, I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, but the other interesting thing that caught my ear in the clip I listened to was him talking about, they kind of framed it around the whole Giannis thing about what's a failure, what's not a failure. Yeah. So Paul George asked him, like, did you consider this season a failure? And he said, yes. 
And they asked him, you know, why? And he said, well, you know, he, he gave a thoughtful answer kind of in the context of what Giannis said about, you know, every year, you know, it doesn't mean you fail because you didn't win a championship because that would mean like, you know, 29 out of 30 teams failed. But he said, I thought we were at least, based on the expectations we had, based on the trade we made, things like that, I thought we were going to get at least to the second round and have a competitive series there. And they just didn't. They got five games and out in the first round. Um, that seems pretty pretty accurate to me in terms of what my expectations of them were this year. Is that how you would frame it? 100%. And, I mean, you go back to the day at that press conference where Towns himself said championship or bust. Right. And... I guess it was really a little more like late second round or bust. Exactly. So, but, <laughs> but I don't think anybody looked at this and said, okay, they're going to be a championship team. But we all thought top four seed. Now you yeah. can say, well, Towns being out 52 games and has changed things. Yes, but he was back. They had other injuries to role players, but you still had Towns and Gobert. Yeah. And you lasted five games. Yeah. So it, it was a failure. Tom, are you an NBA fan? You watch? Oh, just a bit, yeah. What'd you make of you watch the follow the wolves this year? Yeah, I mean, I remember I was in an airport and I pulled up my phone and I saw the the Go Bear trade right when it happened. And my first thought, I was stoked. I was like, we're we're going we're going deep this I was, year. I was in on it too. I was like fifty games, fifty wins a year for the next four years. Yeah, I was bummed on the on losing Patrick Beverly and some of those guys, but I really thought we're getting an all-star, we're getting a first-team all-defensive player. Like This is going to bring the team to the next level. Maybe not championship level, but get them past that first-round barrier that they've kind of been stuck in, stuck in yeah. and lagging out in the past couple of years. And just obviously did not happen, but yeah. I think I think that was the general yeah. reaction was this this team, had, what what they were doing was not working. Now, they yeah. got to the playoffs, but right. they were not going to win a There's a certain ceiling they a that ceiling. Was, they were not going to get past. And so I like the fact that they went for it. They tried something bold. Now, you know, I think Lava said, "Boy, that is a big price. To a pay lot for. to give up." And but especially you're what... going for it, and it, it's either going to really work or it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, because it didn't seem like there's going to be any gray area where there's no. going to be kind of a you know right. like they were just a, right. Um, but I, I think it's fair after, and I know we haven't seen the you know a full season of it. Right. I, the, the two bigs. I just it's, don't. I, I it's don't, one don't, notch above disaster, right? Yeah, now. Yeah, I, I just. <laughs> I still have major, major, major doubts yeah. that a two big line is going to work. And part of the problem here is, which I wrote about uh, Wednesday and talked about on Wednesday's show too, is that the version of Gobert they got isn't what we thought. It isn't what they thought they were getting. Like I was just looking it up, like looking it in the context of the all defensive stuff this that came out Tuesday. Like Gobert was a first team all defensive player the last six years. He didn't get a single vote. Yeah. This year. Like, this was a much different player. I don't know if it's the system, if it's his back, or if it's regression. I don't know what it was, but he was not that player. Well, and the rebounding wasn't, you know. His rebounding was okay. His was fine, but team-wise. Yes. And even Chris Finch, the coach, came out after the season said, was never really comfortable with our offense. Yeah. Great. That's, <laughs> but, they, but they've got to figure it out for next year. It's going to be a different next year. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm sold on. I st- I'm still not sold on the two bigs, and I'm still not sold on the idea that this isn't going to be a major shakeup still. I'm this sold on one thing. Build around Edwards. Yes. That's the only thing. Build I'm around Edwards. On. Absolutely. And I don't, think, I don't know if you build around Edwards with, two, with a two-big lineup. I just don't know if you build around editors with the two big lineup, but that's just me. Maybe some other people too. All right, last thing, Chip, before you go, you wrote uh, for Thursday's paper about gambling. College athletics has been kind of a, a big topic in in the sporting world lately, with kind of controversy at Iowa, Iowa State. The Alabama baseball coach f- uh, fired a, a week or two ago, right? Yeah. And what, what's 
What what did you find out in your reporting on this? Yeah, I don't know if the, the average person knows that <clears throat> the NCAA has rules that if you're an athlete, a coach, or just a you know a staff member, if you work in advertising or marketing in an athletic department, any any employee, there there can be no form of gambling. You can't do a NCAA office pool where you get five bucks and participate. You can't do fantasy football if you're giving money. Right. Um, you can't bet on the Super Bowl. Right. Nothing. You can't bet on pro sports. I can't say, Mike, like, I even bet if, you. Even if you're in college, you can't bet on pro sports. You can't bet on anything. Yeah, I, I can't say, Mike, I bet you a steak dinner that the Vikings win Sunday. Or right. The Vikings lose. I mean, that's that's a rule. Right. And so there's a there's a big concern in college sports right now that as more and more states legalize gambling. Yeah. That and it's legal in like 33 states 33, now, right? Yeah, 32 or 33. That you're not just all of a sudden going to open a can of worms and there's going to be problems. Because there's... Let's, People gamble now. Right. I mean, we're right. being naive. And it's been going on for a long time, but it's easier now. But it's, it's, so it's going to be more now. convenient, more accessible, more people probably doing it. You can do it from your phone. You'll be able to gamble from your phone. And that's the big one to me. Yes. And that uh, the fear is that a couple things. One, you're going to create more addiction, more uh, kids involved in it. I say kids, college. College students, yeah. That, and that might lead to point shaving. Sure. That. You can see a way to make a quick buck, or you're in a hole. You yeah, get, you get you know you start gambling and you have some losses. This is a way to right. You know you may see this as a way to get you know get yourself even, or which I didn't really know, but in talking to some Gophers officials that in states where they do have legalized gambling, there's been a pretty significant increase in online harassment of athletes who yeah. make a shot, miss a free throw that affects the the point spread, and you just have more people gambling and you know it's. Uh, we've seen death threats over, yeah. you know, so it's those schools have had to put more emphasis on mental health because it's become a problem for their, you know, student athletes here and this stuff that they've affected an out, you know, affected yeah. a point spread or an over under or whatever. So, yeah. Um, so it's something that college sports are, are really grappling with, but <clears throat> New York times has a recent story where as many as eight universities have formed partnerships with sports betting entities. Yeah, I or saw sports that. It was, like, books. it was like late last year that yeah. they came out. And getting millions of dollars to promote yeah. gambling on their campuses. Well, talk about a mixed message where you're taking millions of dollars to promote gambling on your campus, but now you're worried about the impact of gambling. It's not legal here in Minnesota yet. It sounds like. There's definitely some roadblocks. They're trying to get it passed this year. It doesn't sound like it's maybe going to happen this year, but I would think eventually at some point within the next couple of years it will be illegal here. So this is going to be a problem for U of M, St. Thomas, places that have yep. D1 sports, especially even, I mean, now it's already a problem because they can, you know, there's the opportunities to, to wager in other different ways. But, you know, when, if and when sports betting is legal here and there's D1 sports here, that becomes an even higher anteed up issue. How, how is the U prepared to deal with something yeah, like that? Yeah, so they do, uh, they have they send out education reminders um, to athletes and every employee before the Super Bowl, before March Madness, and then they have a <clears throat> meeting at the start of the school year um, <clears throat> where they inform them, "Hey, can't gamble, can't do this. It's NCAA rule. It's, it's illegal in Minnesota still." Um, so they have constant education. They also back in 2018 they brought in. Do you remember the uh, point shaving scandal at Arizona State basketball? Few, uh, uh, I forgot when it was, but kind uh, of, yeah. I mean, it feels like these pop up every now. Yeah, and then. Arizona State had one a while back. I can't remember the okay. exact. Um, they brought in a player who was involved in it. He does speaking now. Okay, um, he, he spoke to the football team and basketball team just about 
you know, his yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, so there, you know, there's constant messaging about it. Um, but if, if, if it does become legal in Minnesota, um, they're going to have to increase spending on monitoring. Sure. Increase spending on, uh, education, but then also the mental health. Cause they know that that's going to yeah. create more problems for their, their athletes. Wow. Fascinating stuff. Uh, I look forward to reading your piece. Hope everybody else does too on, uh, on Thursday. Hope you'll read. The twins lineup uh, post that, that I'm going to put together with with Tommy uh, Tommy Verhey's help as well. Chip Scoggins starts to be a columnist. Tommy Verhey, St. Paul Academy uh, senior, headed to Wake Forest next year. Yep. Go uh, Wait, go Tommy. Wake Forest. What, what's the Deacons? Their, the Deacons De- still right? Yeah. Demon Deacons. Do, we, do we still have Demon in there? Are we still okay to? Yeah, yeah, he's, still yeah still we're still okay with that. All right, good. Uh, great school, great, great school. It is a great school. Tommy's been a big help. He's kind of he's helping out a lot over the next few weeks, kind of learning the ropes here at the Star Tribune. But we put him to work and could not be happier that he did that. So hope you enjoyed this today. And uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Take care. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and keep keep the sports gambling thing in mind as you're watching whether Minnesota goes forward with legalization this year or not, or whether it takes a little while. I do think it's an it's an eventual thing that will happen, even if it does happen this year. What is going to be the impact on college sports here? How much more will that play into things going on with the University of Minnesota, things going on with St. Thomas now, a Division One school, where there is action on those games and the potential for influence? I don't know. It's, it's an interesting subject. I'm glad Chip tackled it, and I don't think that's the last time we will be writing about it. Same goes for my subject in the cooler. Um, Phoenix Suns new TV deal. I think we talked about this a few weeks ago and I wrote about it. They're, they're hoping, they're trying to take their games over the air next year, free to, free to consumers and break away from Diamond Sports, the, you know, the entity in bankruptcy that runs all the Bally Sports channels, including, you know, the Bally Sports Arizona and of course Bally Sports North. The twins embroiled in some of this same stuff because their contract is up at the end of the year. Bally's wasn't paying them. They've got a big hearing with a bankruptcy judge in a few weeks here. Well, a bankruptcy judge blocked the Suns from doing their new TV deal while this bankruptcy is going on. Um, so that's interesting to me. Just to kind of, it's kind of a moment where you have to realize that everything you want to do in the moment might be might be more complicated than what you can do because of the legal system, because the way bankruptcy cases have to play out. The Phoenix Suns want to do something. Their contract is up, but they have to give Bally time, have to give Diamond Sports time to negotiate. And when you're in bankruptcy, that that process can be stalled, apparently. So that deal is on hold. That was kind of a cool thing that kind of emerged, maybe a new new way of doing things. Maybe that will still emerge once things are all done. But it is on hold for now. And it's a good reminder that sometimes these processes take a while to play out. That will do it for me today. Should be some good stuff coming up on Friday's show as well. Expecting to have Minnesota United defender Zarek Valentin on the show with me Friday. Um, plenty of other good stuff coming off of Thursday as well. We'll see if the Twins can get the series win. See if they can get this game in. It's supposed to be some rain on Thursday. So we'll see about that. But it looks like it's probably the one that they can get in this afternoon. Thanks again for listening today. Back at it again on Friday.